Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Before we get going, I wanted to let you know about a product that I'm creating called Stoa. Stoa is a platform for community creators and anyone really who is building a community. Maybe you have a community that you are passionate about, such as photography, or maybe it's something in regards to cars or motorcycles or woodworking or anything of that nature. Maybe it's dancing. Whatever your community is, if you're looking to build it and monetize it, Stoa is a place for you. You can have discussions, communicate privately with DMs and private chats, and have various different spaces internally where you can discuss all the different things regarding your community and monetize it as well. If this is something that's interesting or you know of someone else who's interested in it, you can go to getstoa.com, plug in your email address, and when we launch, you'll get three months free of the product. And as well, you can always reach out to me directly if you have questions. So again, that is Stoa. You can go to getstoa.com for more information. Thanks. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the podcast here. Kashik's not with me this time, but though I do have a special guest today that has a story that I really want everybody to hear. I think one of the things that's really fundamental about software development is how open it is to anyone who wants to do it. If you have the drive, you have the determination, and you want to become a software developer, you can. It doesn't really matter your background, doesn't really matter your age. Uh, for a lot of you that maybe don't even know this, software development is not my first career. My first career was actually uh, a cabinet maker and as well as a motorcycle mechanic. And I didn't switch careers until my early 20s. So I still start, started kind of early. Uh, but there are many people that don't switch until their late 20s, their 30s, their 40s, or even later. And today I have a friend of mine here on the show, and he is going to help kind of tell the story of how he went from one career, which is not related to software at all, into a software development career. And it's a very interesting story. And I kind of want to get some tips and tricks and advice from him for other people that are in a very similar belt and trying to make that transition. So without further ado, Ephraim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Don. Uh, it's very exciting to be here. I've been a long time fragmented listener. So this is this is going to be fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. And so such so a for a background, you and I have been talking, I don't know, for a year, two years uh, online, either through just random Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And you did tell me that you had kind of been listening through Fragmented and so forth. And then we hopped into the, I got in the, I don't know how we did it, but I asked where you worked or something like that. And then you told me that you had a different career. But before we hop down that path too much, why don't you tell everyone kind of your kind of short little version of your background and where you are now and where you work now and what you do. So we can kind of get that big picture and then we'll dive into the details. Sure, sure. Uh, so currently I'm working at a company called First Form. So it's, uh, you know, health, fitness, supplements. Uh, I am a team of one working on, you know, what I kind of consider to be like spontaneous apps and websites. Kind of, uh, you know, the owners will be like, oh, it would be neat if we could do this. So then they hand me whatever this is and I have to just go do it. So that's what I'm currently doing. Uh, my background, my longest career was in the car business. So I was a salesman 
for about 16 years in the car industry. Uh, most recently, I was in the exotic car end. So a lot of fun cars, Bentleys, Lamborghinis, et cetera. But that's where I was before I transferred into software development. Interesting. So that kind of gives me a, like a, when I, when I hear the, the word exotic, I think a lot of money. And when I think a lot of money, I know a little bit about car sales. I don't know much. I just know that a lot of car salesmen run off commission and exotic cars probably garner a lot of commission. So do, I guess the question is, is it seems like someone in the exotic car industry would be making a lot of money or is it a very difficult industry to make money in? So I definitely was making very decent money. So, you know, it, it was a very different world. It was 100% commission. And, you know, I would have, it was very much a feast or famine. You know, I could make 30 grand one month and literally make zero the next. But yeah, when I left, uh, you know, I was topping about a buck 80. So I was making very decent money. So that's a good point. A lot of people probably hear that number like, wow, I wish I could make that much money and that would be amazing. But what was the, what was the driver for you to say, you know what, hey, this career maybe isn't for me. I want to go do something else. And and how did you decide that it was software? So the biggest driver was really quality of life. You know, first off, I was working six days a week, 70 hour weeks, you know, at least. And it wasn't something that I loved doing. It was just something that I could do. I could do well and I could support my family off, uh, off of. So after doing that for so long and not actually liking and being excited about what you're doing, it just became, you know, a massive grind. Sure, there are benefits. There, you know, there was some some cool things I got to do and see and interesting people. But you know, day to day, I was not waking up excited to go into work. It was, you know, very much a you know Monday morning dread type situation, and, and that started to wear on me as I got older and older, and and realized that it's not going to get better. And if I wanted to change that, I had to make a massive change. And, and for anybody that's been in sales, sales just transfers to sales. So if you don't want to be in sales, you have to do something kind of drastic. You know, as far as how did I choose software development? You know, I had, I had been playing around for many years with, with websites and things just on the side for myself, maybe friends. You know, I started back in you know, a little after 2000, you know, back in the, you know, HTML, PHP scripting, you know, that sort of world, but never really excelled beyond just a basic website. But I love doing it. I love creating things. And so when looking at my options, you know, uh, one of those things that people ask, you know, if you had a million dollars, you know, and you could do anything, what would you do? And that's what I would do. I, I would program. So, that's the direction that I, I decided to go down. Interesting. I don't know. I'm thinking from personal experience and thinking about it and putting myself in your shoes and thinking like that had to be a really difficult decision. Um, was there a lot of dread going into it? Like, oh my goodness, I've spent this number of years in my life. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this transition or what was going through your head at the time when you kind of made that decision to say, all right, I, I'm going to make that that switch. Sure. You know, the... In the beginning, it was definitely scary even thinking about it. You know, one thing that I knew was going to happen is I was going to go from, uh, you know, making very decent money, supporting a family of five to not, not making very decent money because uh, I'd be starting off at, you know, ground zero. I'd be competing with people that could afford to 
uh, sell their services significantly cheaper than you know I was used to. Uh, and then you know one of the biggest dreads too was just like you know can I actually do it? You know can I catch up? With, with everybody that's been in this industry, you know, can I learn fast enough, et cetera? You know, luckily for me, I came from a sales background where you have to have, you know, the sort of confidence that borderlines ego. So I very quickly told myself that I can do it. And, and so that that's what I did, but it was definitely scary. Okay. So you had a lot of determination and you just a lot of like willpower and knowing that you're going to, you know, confidence that you're going to get this stuff done. So when you determined that, you made that decision, like, okay, this is the direction I'm going. I'm kind of going to point my sail that way. I'm going to start going there. How did you go from you know, your very basic knowledge of web development that you had, and how did you get into more of a professional software development? And kind of as an ancillary question on top of that, how did you move or decide to go into you know, mobile or web development or both? Sure. So uh, first part, the first thing that I actually did was, so I, I, I didn't go to college. Well, I, I went and then just dropped out of every class and never, never completed anything. The first thing that, that I thought about was like, oh, crap, you know, this isn't sales. They probably care about a college degree. So I kind of dug into that, like, well, what does that take? How could I do that? And I found an online program that was a work at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was to get a bachelor's degree in, in information technology. And so I ended up doing that and I finished a four-year degree in about 16 months. Whoa. And then I came out the other end and didn't really feel like I knew much more. I was pretty deflated and, and talked to some people that I knew that were programmers and they were like, oh yeah, you don't, you don't actually learn how to be a programmer in college. And it's just like, oh, I wish somebody would have told me that in the beginning. So, you know, the the primary language that that they used was Java. And for me, I'd always been, uh, you know, an Android person and I liked mobile apps and I believed in it. Now, remember, this was even, you know, this was six, seven, eight years ago. And, you know, apps there, there was there was quite a bit, but it wasn't as prolific uh, as it is now. But, you know, apps is really what I wanted to do. And I wasn't a fan of of iOS or the iPhone. So it was like, okay, if I'm going to do mobile, I'm going to do Android. And I already know Java. So, you know, that was uh, obviously well before the Kotlin revolution. So that's what I dove into. And that that's kind of how I picked it. It wasn't uh, as thought out as maybe as it should have been, or, or maybe I shouldn't have thought it out anymore. Uh, I just kind of picked what I liked and thought was cool. And then I went full-fledged. Yeah, I have a very similar experience when I got out of when I went to college. I was I had got lucky enough where I had talked myself into a a kind of technical support like scripting type position. And when I graduated, I felt the same way. I, that the skills that I had learned, like I no one taught me how to build professional software in college. And I mean, hopefully, some of those things have changed, but I still feel that it's very much that way. You're just getting the basic fundamentals in a four-year degree, which is really unfortunate. So you went down that road as well. You got out of college and you said, all right, I'm going to do Android, but you weren't at the level to be a, like a professional software developer. So what, what resources did you use to 
figure out how to become a software developer? Did you do read any books? Did you watch any like YouTube video courses, take some other online courses? Or what did you do to kind of get yourself to that level where you felt, all right, I'm a professional. I feel confident at least that I can kind of get an entry level position somewhere. Sure. So, uh, you know, the the first thing that I started to do was, uh, you know, I, I would say YouTube and podcasts were, you know, were the first two things that I kind of turned to, you know, and, and I also uh, what I always suggest and and what I did was tried to build something, and I tried to build an app, and I probably rewrote the thing seven times. And, you know, it actually still exists out there and, you know, brings in a, a couple bucks each month. But, you know, it was based off of a game that I, a mobile game that I was playing. And, you know, so I thought it'd be fun. And just the, you know, the process of actually building that and, you know, really running into problems was was the biggest help. You know, creating a feature and then trying to create a new feature and finding out that I couldn't because of how I wrote it and, you know, just kind of going over and over the code and just refactoring and refactoring, you know, but YouTube was was big. Uh, I did read a handful of books. I'm trying to think of what I started out with. I had, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my books here. They, you know, the design patterns, the head first book, uh, you know, I, various design pattern books. I got an iOS programming book. It, you know, the books are 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 decent, but I think that what helped more was what was the YouTube in how to do stuff. And then I think almost the podcasts were, what don't I know? So I would listen to, you know, your podcast or the other big one that, that I liked was Adventures in Angular. And I would listen to the conversation and I would understand 10% of it, you know, but I would just be making notes like, well, well, what is this thing? What are, you know, what are streams? What is, you know, uh, you know, this or that and it, the various topics and libraries and, you know, then that would give me like, okay, well, this person is dedicating a podcast to this thing. I should probably understand what that thing does and how I could use it. And then I'd go back and read dozens of articles, you know, uh, and that's the other thing. I read a lot of articles you know, but that is really kind of how it all all kicked off. That's an excellent. Um, I, I'm kind of uh, lost of words right now because it's it really mirrors how I got going into this stuff as well. When early in my career, I did the same exact thing. It was find some books, uh, kind of learn from those books a little bit. I, I f have found over the years now that a lot of books are almost by the time they come out, they're almost out of date because technology is moving so fast, which is a bummer. So I did the same thing. I relied on podcasts. And at the time when I started, I wasn't uh, an Android dev. I was a .NET dev and I listened to a bunch of .NET podcasts. And the same thing would happen. Uh, they would talk about something and complete confusion. Like, wow, okay, I didn't even know this existed. This is really cool. That would have solved a huge problem for me that I had last month or whatever. But ultimately, what I think for me is the big takeaway here that a lot of people need to hear. And it's something that I preach a lot is that you actually went out and built an app or multiple apps. And then the thing that really I wrote down here in my notes is that you rewrote it, you know, in quotes, seven times, maybe more, maybe less, I don't know. But to me, that's something I still do. Just this morning, uh, I'm rewriting some app because I'm trying to understand how this piece of technology should work with it. And I have to rewrite it. I have to run it. I have to debug it. I have to kind of see how everything's set up. And then I'll, just like you, realize that it was written wrong. And then 
go re-implement it. So it seems like it was very useful to you. Do you still find yourself doing a very similar thing to that when you're learning a new technology? Absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm consistently trying to, you know, branch out. Right now, I've, I've been focusing a lot on Solidity, uh, which is for the Ethereum platform and blockchain. And in the beginning, I almost don't even try to do it right. I just try to do it. Just try to get it to work, you know, with especially the small understanding that I have and then step back. And it's like, okay, what, you know, uh, what, you know, makes me cringe? What can I not read after a week, you know, and, and just find all of those sort of issues and, and then, okay, so now, now that I understand how to do it at the basic level, you know, what would make this code more elegant? You know, what would make this code easier to read? Uh, what would make this code easier to extend, et cetera? And, and then I go back and rewrite it. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still following that same process today for sure. I think what you said there is is very important how you are just, you're not worried about doing the perfect architecture right out of the gate when you're learning something new. You want to just get it working. That's also something that I do as well. I approach things with, and which is what you're doing, with a beginner mindset and just kind of letting everything go. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Can I get it to do what I want to do now? Can I clean it up afterwards? That to me is such an incremental and iterative way of learning that it just solidifies everything because I'm able to see the progression of very simple to complex because too many people, in my opinion, try to go or they'll listen to podcasts like ours and, and they'll hear something about, you know, MVVM or MVI architecture or whatever. And all of a sudden they're down a rabbit hole trying to implement that on a brand new project when, you know what, does that project really need it? Or can you just do something simple and implement it right away? You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So during this whole process of you moving over from car sales, which, you know, you have a deep career in that, and then moving into you know, mobile development or web development and just development in general, what would you say was probably the most challenging aspect of this process? And it doesn't have to be technical. It could be just, you know, a mental shift, anything. I, I think the, the, the toughest part was really just, you know, men, mentally the toughest part was, am I ready and can I do it? So, you know, I started learning this stuff, but obviously I had to get to a point where I felt like I could do this full time and have somebody pay me and not get fired, right? You know, be able to live up to the job that I'm actually applying for. And, you know, mentally that was uh, was definitely difficult, you know, because I was very siloed. It was just me. None of my friends, you know, I knew one guy, you know, that was a developer and anybody that I found out was a developer, I'd ask him questions, but I was very much alone. So I had no gauge of, you know, where was I compared to the industry? You know, what can I expect? And, you know, so that that was a really big, you know, just unknown. So I think that that was probably, you know, one of the most difficult parts of, you know, that in-between transition. When you you had that feeling of, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to compare. I don't know if I can get this job, land a job. When did you feel confident enough that you were ready to go apply somewhere? And part two to that is, is how did you find your first, you know, career job in software? So as far as how did I decide, I, I don't think there is a good answer to that. I just, it was like, okay, I got to do it. Let's just mm -hmm. do it. And I, I felt like, okay, I, I built an app. Uh, it was used by a bunch of people. You know, I, I've built a bunch of, of websites at this point. I feel like I can be dropped into something and it worst case, figure it out. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, so it wasn't very scientific how, how I decided how I actually got my first job. So it probably took me two years. Oh, really? To get it. Yeah, it was, it took forever. Were you applying all over the place or how to, what, what did you do? First off, I had no idea how to get a job. So I was just, you know, trying to manually send in my resume places and that didn't work. You know, I, I updated my resume and sent it into all the, the standard places, the monster.com and all of that. You know, my resume was garbage uh, and that didn't work. So I, I did that for quite some time and got zero traction. Okay. And then I was talking to a guy I know who was actually a client and he was a software developer. And he was like, no, 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 you, you have to go through recruiters. All these big companies use recruiters. You're not just going to find a job. You, you have to go through them. So it's like, oh, crap. Okay. And, you know, and he looked at my resume and, and, you know, explained to me why it was garbage. And so I had to go through that process. Let's figure out, you know, how to really write a resume that shows that I know something while also not being able to really prove it, given that I've never had a job before, uh, you know, doing this full time. Um, and I did take on things, you know, more IT type stuff. I did all the networking for the dealership. I did, you know, manage their website, things like that, but it was not full time. Um, you know, so then, then I started trying to reach out to, uh, recruiters and, you know, the, that was difficult too, because I had a lot of people that, that really just, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, to get the money that you want, which is funny. Cause when I started out, it was like, look, I want, you know, 70, 80 grand a year. Yeah. And, and I had a bunch of people that just told me, no, it's not going to happen. You know, it'll take you years to get to that place. You know, a lot of negativity. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying, you know what? No, I'll, I'll make it. I'll get it. I'll find somebody, you know, my first job ended up paying 65 grand a year, which was Mm -hmm. obviously a massive hit, but I was happy to grab it. So eventually how I got my first job, eventually I did find a really good recruiter, uh, Chris Rakel. And he, you know, he, he had a conversation with me beforehand, which was one of those things that you learned pretty quickly with the recruiters is that the people that just want to get your resume, they're they're not going to help. All Mm -hmm. they're doing is just blasting it to people. They want to put it, you know, they want to put your piece of paper in a stack of pieces of paper so it looks like they're doing something. Mm -hmm. They don't really care anything about you, you know, that you're all just paper to them. This guy was was different. He, you know, he had a conversation with me, you know, really dug into, you know, what he thought I could do, you know, and and then he, he had an opportunity. And you know, so I, I went down that, had the interview and I kept telling these people, look, just honestly, get me in front of somebody, get me in front of somebody and I'll get the job. I guarantee it. You know, because the one thing that I, I, I did for the last 16 years was sell and an interviewing is just selling yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did, he, he got me the interview and I got the job. And then that was, you know, probably one of the scariest things. That's a fantastic story in, in itself. And I think there's a number of things that I wanted to talk about here. And But the one that you just said just now, which is an interview is selling yourself. And I don't think a lot of developers really realize that. They are expecting their resume or some open source work to really drive home, look what I can do. But if you're like, as you said, if you're able to sit down in front of somebody and talk to them, and if you know how to sell like you do, uh, it's it's much easier. So I'm not saying that you need to become a salesman who 
anybody who's listening to this, but any type of soft skills that you can develop is just going to help you at the end of the day. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, I think that that's one thing that I've noticed in this industry. You know, I came from basically all soft skills, you know, interacting with people, you know, interacting with with colleagues, et cetera, to this industry, which I think is is grossly, I think it's misunderstood a lot of times and it's forgotten about a lot of times. I think that, you know, how you interview and then also how once you get the job, how do you interact with, you know, with, with the managers, with the POs, the BAs, et cetera, is far more important than, you know, what you have on your resume or even your skill level, because th- those two things are easy and you get the opportunities through the personal connections and you do the work through your skill. So the uh, oftentimes, I, I've seen this uh, many times with people, they never get the opportunity, even though they have the skill. They don't get the opportunity because they don't know how to grab it. They don't know how to ask for it. Uh, they don't know how to position themselves for it. So they don't get the opportunity, but they have the skill. And they think that, well, like I learned this, I'm good at this. Why shouldn't I get the opportunity? It's like, well, it's going to end up going to somebody else who does understand these things. So I think that that's a very crucial element that that isn't driven home enough. Now, I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this question because you, you've come from a background in sales. So a lot of this might be just second nature to you. But for someone who's listening who might be lacking in some of these skills, is there any tips you could provide to them to say, here's how you can improve your soft skills? Maybe it's you know mock interviews. Maybe it's uh, you know reading a a book or something like that that does this do you have any tips for someone that might be in that situation absolutely you know and i've i've helped out a lot of developers since i've been in this industry because it is not only is it something that a lot of people are lacking it's something that there's not a lot of people to teach them you know so i've i've helped a lot of people and you know a lot of it is is first off to step back and understand just people you know understand that okay well what what really, what makes you stand out is oftentimes really just being empathetic to other people. So I always use the example of, you know, you're in a meeting. So we have, uh, well, many of us have, have uh, you know, given meetings, been in charge of meetings, right? And you're presenting, you're doing your thing, you're trying to get interaction, and nobody is. Right. Nobody's nobody's answering the the questions. They're all acting as if they're rhetorical. Nobody, you know, th- there's just no interaction. You're wondering if anybody's even listening. And it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And then and, and it's exhausting. And then you're done with the 30 minutes, one hour meeting, and you know, it sucked. Now take that and you do that same thing, but then there's somebody that's that's interacting with you, that's asking questions, that's you know engaged, that's trying to get other people you know into it, etc. At the end of that meeting, you feel good. You personally feel good, right? So, and this is this is what your boss feels. They feel good. That was a good meeting. And why do they feel good? Whether it's conscious or subconscious, they know that the reason is because of you. You were you were interacting, you know. You were asking questions. You were being lively, and so now they walk away with a really good feeling about you because now their job was 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 better, right? So mm-hmm. it's it, it's empathy. It's understanding that you know everyone else is doing these jobs as well, and 
when their job is easier because of you, they're going to naturally gravitate towards you, right? When, when they're picking a team, it's like, well, who do you want to work with? You know, Don, it, you know, and, and whether or not it's, it, it, it's because they're thinking about it or not, but every interaction with, with you for them is a positive one. So what do they want to do? They want that. They, they want their, their team to be dynamic. They, they want their job to be easier. You know, so just stepping back and understanding kind of, you know, that psychology, you know, on the same point, and, and if I'm getting too long-winded, feel free to cut me off. On the same point, you know, when you think about like an interview, what do people want? What makes their lives easier? Most of us are driven by what, what makes our lives easier, what makes us happier, you know, what helps us do better. So when you're interviewing, what do you want? You want somebody who you feel is just going to do the job, who's going to be confident, right? Yeah. When, when you exude confidence in an interview, that person feels like, okay, I'm going to be able to give this person a task and walk away and just know they're going to do it because this mm -hmm. person is good at what they do, right? Uh, you know, or this person is really pleasant and I like having a conversation with them. Well, guess mm -hmm. who you're going to have to have a lot of conversations with? A person that you hire. So if that interview is like an easy conversation, that's ingraining in that interviewer's head that, you know, hey, I can do this. I can have this conversation with this person every day, and that feels good. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're going to gravitate towards when they're picking between you and someone that it was like pulling teeth trying to get any conversation out of them. And for any of us that have done interviews, you know what I'm talking about. It, it, it can be brutal when you're, you're not able to flow with them. So what do you think? You know, psychologically, you're thinking this is going to be difficult to, to deal with this person. So the biggest tip is, you know, what do you want? And then be that for someone else. That's huge right there. I think that the empathy and helping and just being friendly. I, I can't tell you how many interviews I've went through myself or you know, consulting positions, wherever, where it may not even have been a technical interview. And the management will like me simply because I can communicate with them very easily and very effectively. And that's huge. Uh, and again, it just takes practice and so forth. I think anyone who's listening, if, if you're hunting for a job, uh, I would really bookmark this episode. Go back and rewind and listen to the last, well, I mean, rewind, listen to the whole episode, but that piece right there by Ephraim uh, is pure gold. So thank you for that. The other thing that I wanted to bring up that you mentioned is that you had done the website and some tech stuff for the dealership. Now, I'm going to most likely assume that they just didn't walk over to your desk one day and be like, hey, do you want to do a website? they probably had to learn that you knew that and you probably volunteered that. Did you volunteer? So you're absolutely right. Nobody came up to me. It was, and it wasn't even a, they learned. It was just, I told, I'm going to do this. And guess what? What most bosses say when you say, I'm going to do more work for you for free. Yeah, do, do that. You know, and, and it's not like they had somebody that was, that was dealing with the website or, or whatever. And, it was just, I'll do this, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this. And I just kept adding things on, and then it just kind of turned into part of my job. And a majority of that, um, you know, sometimes they'd flip me a little bit here or there, but like I never got paid for any of that. And I was dealing, I, I, you know, I did 
any troubleshooting with the computers. I dealt with all the networks, but I looked at it as, you know, this is free training for me. Mm -hmm. And instead of I'm doing extra work for free, I was looking at it as this is free training for me. I get to practice on their stuff and they're not going to fire me because I'm bad at networking. And and I don't mean networking with people, actually, you know, servers, et cetera. They're not going to fire me because I'm bad at networking because my job is sales, right? So I get to screw up. I, you know, I mm-hmm. get to, uh, you know, practice and, and learn and, you know, any of the poor uh, people that we would actually pull in the professional IT people, you know, had to endure just an onslaught of of questions from me. Well, why are you doing this? And I couldn't figure this. You know, this is what I was thinking. Why was that wrong? And and just you know, took every opportunity I could to learn anything I could about the internet, programming anything. This is something that I I wish and I hope a lot of people get uh, away from this talk is, and this is also something that I talk about a lot as well. People come to me all the time saying, I'm looking to break into software. I've, you know, I've got a degree. I've been practicing at home. What can I do? And I, and I tell them, and that same thing for consulting and contracting. It's like, you know what? Go out and find somebody who needs something. It could be your family's business. It could be where you already work like you do and just offer to do it for free. Provide, be, provide that value. What you do is you then amplify your value to that company exponentially. Because all of a sudden, not only can Ephraim sell exotic cars and make you know the business a bunch of money that way, he can also take care of our website and he also helps network everything. Okay, now Ephraim's a lot more valuable than this other person over here. Not to discount this other person, but now you've just demonstrated that you have so much more skill in other places to that business. So that A, that's job security, but B, it also gives you, like you said, on-the-job training and you can throw that on your resume. So yes, I do have experience you know, handling websites or building X, Y, and Z. I did it at this company for the last two years. That's legit experience, experience, even if you didn't get paid extra for it. So if you are listening to the podcast and you're trying to get your, your feet wet, find something. It could be a, uh, just your church. It could be a local you know, group you're part of or anything. Um, it could be a fire department, whatever. Offer to build something. That's exactly what I did too for my career. I started in the music industry and I built a bunch of band websites. And uh, it helped me kickstart my career. So fantastic stuff. I love that. You, you know, uh, on a similar note, and you say, you know, offer to do things. You know, one thing that I did do, the, uh, who's one of the owners mm-hmm. uh, of my current uh, company, his wife uh, did, uh, you know, like health stuff. And she had like a bunch of recipes. And her website was just one giant page. Right. And it just, you just would scroll down forever to read the various ones. So I thought, you know what? I want to get better at, at this point, it was like WordPress. And now, now you couldn't put a gun to my head and make me use WordPress. But at that time, I wanted to, to learn it. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to build it. And I literally built her a website. And then, and I didn't know her either. I had never talked to her. I had never met her. She was just the wife of a client of mine um, who happens to now be my boss. And then I told my boss when it was done, I sent him a link and said, hey, I made this for your wife. If she wants it, she can have it. If she doesn't, that's okay. You know, uh, she didn't ask for it. But if she wants it, I'll set it, set it up for her and she can start using it. And she was ecstatic. You know, and that also, I'm sure, helped me with my relationship with my client. But I literally just did it and then just said afterwards, hey, you want this? And what was the worst that she could do? No. 
okay, well, I learned a lot. Great. And it gave me, it gave me a goal of something to build that I didn't have to make up. Mm-hmm. Right. I know the background story on this, of course, because we've talked about this exact story. But for those that aren't listening, when you say client, they're listening to a software podcast, they're probably thinking, oh, software client. That's not what this is. This is, one of, this is when you were still a car salesman, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. This had nothing to do with, nobody would have expected this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't what I was doing. This was a guy I sold cars to. And so the guy you sold cars to, you realized his wife probably could use a nice updated refresh website. You had no clue who she was, never talked to her, said, you know what, I'm just going to go build this. And worst case scenario, I'm going to learn a bunch of stuff. And then when you were done, you just kind of sent it over and said, hey, I built this for your wife. If she likes it, she can have it. And then automatically, I almost guarantee, like you said, she was blown away. By it. He was probably blown away by it. And it just probably opened a bunch of doors. And now what, fast forward years later, I assume, uh, you said yeah. that's your boss, right? Yeah. And now I work for him and and I have a good relationship with both him and his wife. That's fantastic. That's an amazing story, dude. Now, a couple of questions to kind of wrap this up here. But what I'm really wondering here is, you know, are you happy that you made this change into software? And do you really miss anything about your past career, or past life? There were definitely cool things in, in, in my past life. And, and I'd be lying if I didn't if I said I didn't have fun, you know, driving half a million dollar cars around, but honestly, I, I don't, I don't think twice about it. I love it. And, and I literally, I wake up every day excited about my work, like my regular day to day work is programming. And guess what programming is? It's building stuff, it's solving problems. So every day I wake up and it's like, okay, now, now here's the eight to nine to 10 hours, whatever I'm, you know, for that day that I'm dedicating to this and this is what I'm doing. And there's no, you know, my wife, you know, I kills her. I never know what day it is because it doesn't matter to me. If it's Saturday, if it's Monday, if it's Friday, they're all the same because I really enjoy what I'm doing. And I get to just get up every day and do it. And when I'm not doing it for someone else, I'm doing it for myself. So yeah, absolutely best thing I ever did. That's awesome, man. For like right now, you said you are building like an app or website. What are are you doing? Android development? Are you doing iOS development, or or what exactly are you are doing right now in regards to technology? Right now, I've been focusing uh, a lot on Flutter. Okay. So I, I've actually even started to transition any new website I build. Uh, I use Flutter as well. You know, oh, wow. it, it's it, it's really just a great stack. There's, you know, there's give and takes. Look, Kotlin is a better language than Dart, mm-hmm. you know, full stop. But, you know, I, I get to build once and deploy multiple. And that is just worth too much. You know, I, there's still a lot I love about the Android environment, but the give and takes, you know, Flutter just, just kind of wins. And, you know, the in, in the web world, the development, you know, cycle of just getting something up is just so much faster with with Flutter. And then also, you know, by choosing Flutter for everything, uh, I'm a lot more focused. You know, one thing that kills me is is having, you know, different parts of the day switching languages. Yeah. You know, and writing const instead of final or, or you know, just like those little things. It's like, ah, oh, crap, what language am I in? So, you know, that that helps out uh, a lot as well. But yeah, that's what I've been focusing most things on is uh, is Flutter, mobile, web, everything. 
And I think it's interesting to note too, you, as you said early on at the beginning, you're a man of one right now in your current position and you're working directly with, you know, the company people that's the top part of the company saying, Hey, it'd be cool to do this. And you need to find something that works best for you to implement that. And right now for you, that's Flutter, given that you're one person. And I think that makes sense. I have done the same thing for clients. Just last October, a client needed an iOS and Android app and they wanted to test the proof of concept. Sure, could have built both of them, but for that proof of concept and given what they needed, Flutter worked fine. So I did that. But then I have other clients now that need Android. So it just depends on what you need and you've recognized that and I think that's important. Yeah, and there's there's still very much a place for for native on both ends. and it's really it's just circumstantial and and like you said being a team of one you know and also i don't want i i never wanted to learn well i did for about 10 minutes want to learn ios and then i just said i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> so, <laughs> so this solved that problem for me so last question really here for you what advice would you give someone who is looking to make a big career change like you did and, and kind of as i guess a part two to that is if you or you could even incorporate it into the first one is you know, if you had to give three tips to that person making a career change uh, or to make that career change easier, what would you tell that person? You know, I'd say first and foremost, engulf yourself into the industry. Get consume as much content as you can at all times. You know, podcasts when when you're moving. You know, videos when you can. Uh, reading when you can. You know, just just take in as much information because here's the thing most other people aren't doing that and mm-hmm. you can do that and learn really really rapidly there's so much great free stuff out there with really brilliant people and that's what i love about podcasting is that you know it, it's different all the time mm-hmm. so you're just constantly getting exposed to new things so just engulf yourself you know, don't listen to music when you're driving around. Put in a podcast. And I say put in because I'm old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a CD or a tape. Yeah, yeah gotcha. exactly. You know, <laughs> turn on a podcast. You know, doing the dishes, turn on a podcast. Sitting on the toilet, read an article. You know, just engulf yourself and you will learn at an incredibly rapid pace. You know, the next thing that I would say is get good at interviewing. And really, that's. That's a matter of explaining yourself to strangers, you know, and it just, just, you can practice just doing that. You don't have to pretend to interview for stuff. Just find some people, you know, maybe they're friends of friends, et cetera, but get good at talking to people that you don't know and try to explain to them something technical. Try to explain to them, you know, what you want to do and why you want to do it. Right. And the more comfortable you get in those situations, the better you're going to be. Uh, so get good, get good at interviewing and don't be afraid to fail an interview. Don't be afraid to go in and say, well, I'm not qualified. I don't really want to interview. Who cares? Just do it. You know, they're, they're not going to punch you in the face. You, you have almost nothing to lose. So go out there, do it. And every interview that you don't get, every job you don't get is a lesson in, you know, the next step and getting you one step closer to getting that job. So just use it as that. Don't worry about the failure. Worry about what you're learning from, you know, from that process. And then the next thing would be, you know, 
prepare yourself ahead of time for what sort of changes. For me, we had to cut back on everything. You know, we we were seriously dropping income. You know, luckily we were very, you know, conservative to begin with, but we had to cut, cut, cut. And we did that, you know, beforehand. Get get ready for it. Now that's not going to be everybody's situation, but maybe there's something different. Maybe, you know, you had a really flexible job and this next one isn't going to be flexible or or whatever it is. Prepare yourself, you know, mentally, physically, whatever you have to do, prepare yourself for that change before you get to it. That would be my top three. Thank you for that. Those are super, super tips there. So thanks for coming on the show. And before we get going, I just kind of want to open it up to you. So if you have anything, any, you know, shout outs you want to put out there, or if people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you or see your work or anything like that? Anything you want to share, Twitter, anything, uh, that's your place. And, uh, and then of course, we'll always add this stuff to the show notes too. Sure. You know, the only place you could find me would be probably Twitter at the Liberty Coder. But honestly, if you're looking for programming content, it isn't there. It's mostly a bunch of anti-statist content. So, but you want to hit me up, you have a question, please feel free, you know, uh, shoot me a DM. You know, if you're in the same sort of position, you know, I'm, I'm uh, happy to help, ha- happy to answer any questions. Fantastic. Well, Ephraim, thank you for taking the time to explain your story, tell us all the different tips you had, and just share your wisdom with all the listeners. I think it's super valuable. There's a lot of people that want to make these career changes. They're very scared to. You literally just spent you know, 45 plus minutes giving us complete college course on this. So thank you very much for taking the time. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Don. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to the episode. And we will catch you very soon on the next one. All right, before we head out, don't forget, you can get three months of Stoa, the community platform for creators by going to getstoa.com and plug in your email address. And that's it. Again, that's getstoa.com. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.